something inside of you is going to tell you that it's going to, you should probably take it a little slow on something new that you're doing. Uh-huh. But the reality is you should be setting your expectations high because it's new and it's going to be hard either way. You may as well go big, man. The same idea. stuff, the same stuff that I did on my first property, which was a duplex. I'm doing it right now on 16 and 20 unit building. Welcome to the House Switch Show, where we talk to average people that have done above average things in real estate. Today, I'm going to talk to Tariq McAllister, better known as Rika States on Instagram. Um, the sponsor for today's show is House Rich, the official brand of home ownership. We got it right here. You can use promo code POD for a discount on merchandise. But um, yeah, so um, let's get into the show. So I came across uh, Rick, I don't know, maybe about four or five months ago. And like you see people on Instagram and, you know, everyone's a guru. Not that saying you're a guru, not a guru, but everyone's a guru on Instagram, but when you watch people, you kind of tell they know what they're talking about because they're throwing like random, like they'll mention like random stuff. Um, you're like, okay, this person probably knows what we talked about. Like I saw a video of yours um, a little bit ago. You're talking about like kerosene heaters and 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 fixing the drywall. And I was like, that's that's a pretty random uh, thing to bring up for somebody if they didn't know what they were talking about. But um, could you introduce yourself to the uh, audience and kind of tell a little bit how you got into real estate? Yeah, yeah. Well, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your platform, man. You know, uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, come on and uh, be, you know, be honored to come through and uh, speak to anybody, anybody's platform about my passion. Um, you know, my government name, Tyreek McAllister, uh, better known as uh, Rika State on uh, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok and all those other uh, social media platforms. Um, I'm a real estate um, developer and investor um, out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, primarily. Um, I'm also a real estate educator. I go by Rika State, the real estate educator, not just because I teach people how to invest in real estate, but because prior to being a real estate investor full-time, I was a full-time teacher, full-time educator. Um, So I've been able to combine my two passions of both education and real estate and, um, you know, the rest is history. I'm continuing to uh, do that, those two passions every day. Okay, so what was the plan? So um, I know you went to HBC, you can talk a little bit about that. But when you went to college, graduate college, what was the plan? The plan was to, to teach and then you kind of caught the real estate bug or how that, how that happened? Man, so the plan, the plan before I even went to college, right? So I got to back up a little bit. The plan was uh, to figure out how I can avoid going to college without b- making my mom mad, uh-huh. right? So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I originally wanted to just go straight into the military, uh, full time. Cause I was just like hearing all this stuff about like, you know, college debt and stuff like that. And it just wasn't something that I was interested in. I like, I, I, I was always very forward thinking in regards to my finances and, um, obtaining debt in, in, in exchange for college education just wasn't speaking to me. Um, and so I went along, uh, pretty much, I was already, I was, pretty good student in school, played, you know, played, uh, was involved in athletics and everything, football, basketball. Um, but it didn't take me to the point where it was going to pay for my education. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the military was what I, what I was thinking of. So, okay. but, um, to, to make, make moms happy. Right. I went on the college tours and everything and, uh, just to be like, all right, well I tried and then, you know, it didn't work out if I didn't get the scholarship or uh-huh. whatever like that I was out. And um, during a visit um, to Virginia State University, shout out to the HBCUs, Uh um, I actually found out about the Army ROTC program and a scholarship opportunity. I applied for it and was awarded the scholarship. And I went to VSU on a full academic scholarship um, through the military, through the Army ROTC program. And um, 
when I once I got there, um, I started to kind of tap into more of what I actually was interested in from an educational standpoint. And um, what I landed on was the actual art of education. Um, I was able to get with a few mentors of mine who are still mentors in the education space to this day. Okay. Um, and they, they put me on game that there was less than 1% black male teachers in the, in, in the classrooms around the country. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, like, you know, like it just spoke to me. And that's where, that's, that's how I landed in the education field. So simultaneously um, I completed my obligations um, both in the ROTC program and as a college undergrad. And um. Okay. But I, but in the back of my head, uh, the real estate bug was always in there because I was raised um, in a household where my dad was a general contractor and I was exposed to that um, okay. growing up. And um, so when I graduated college, that was the first thing that I was thinking about. Like, I got to get my first investment property and, uh, and the rest is history. OK, so I don't know if you I didn't realize you had a military. I don't know if you can see my, my sword back there, but I, I was in the, in the Navy. That's my uh, that's that's my sword back there. Nice, um, nice. And then so um so you graduated you graduated college. So when did you actually go buy your first piece of real estate? I bought my first piece of real estate at the end of my senior year of college in in 2013. Okay. I'm 21 years old. Um all of my battle buddies they was uh tapping in the loans, right? And they was uh-huh. like, hey, "Man, they giving us loans." You, you know, you in the military, they was getting they was getting the Chargers and they was getting the Audis and all that. <laughs> they getting those. I'm like Yo, I got this 2003 uh, Acura CL. It's clean. Like, uh-huh. I bought it with my refund check earlier in the semester. Look, I don't need no new car. This is yeah. nice right here for me. So I took that loan that everybody was trying to get, get cars and stuff. And I was like, well, damn, you can get a car for a loan. Why can't, get, why can't you get a car for a loan for a house? Yeah. And I went ahead and saved up a lot of money, was able to actually buy the property cash, but then use the loan to actually renovate the house um, of my first property straight out of college. Okay. So what gave you the confidence to renovate a property in the first place? You know, to me, that seems like a very daunting task, renovating a property. Yeah, well, it goes back to me being exposed to real estate investing at a young age. I was 13, 14 years old, like in, in, in bandos, as I like to call them. Um, renovating properties or both me and my dad so I was already exposed to the game at an early age I was exposed to it from the game of like from a from a worker standpoint though you know um, he was doing he was doing a lot of work specifically he was doing a lot of work for um, one particular investor who um, I was able to kind of you know pick his brain as a lot of people say today and um Ask him about like, man, like how you get all these properties? And he started pretty much kind of gave me like vague answers, but like it sparked my interest enough to, I was like, man, I don't know exactly how he did it, but I need to find out more because I damn sure don't want to be painting these houses. (laughs) (laughs) I like, I like the concept of doing it, but I like being the recipient of the end product versus uh, being the person that helps produce it without the gain of the equity on the back end. So you, you, you started with one property. How many properties do you have now? How many doors do you have at this point? Um, I, I got north of about 70 doors. Um, you know, God willing, things go well with these next couple of deals that I'm putting together that we're inking right now. We're going to be uh, surpassing that 100 door mark in the next 30 to 60 days. Oh, okay. Wow. So are you still, are you in the commercial space now, like more than four units or kind of where are you 
Where you at right now as far as properties? Primarily, uh, I acquire and renovate and stabilize multifamily properties. So my okay. doors tend to multiply pretty quickly. <laughs> so uh, so right now we're working on several uh, multifamily acquisition, new construction projects that we've been working on um, okay. quite some time. One of them we actually just recently acquired the first building permit for us. So it's going to be my first official new construction of the ground for unit condo building and we have several others that we're going to be doing so um so yeah it's going to be an exciting 2022 oh okay also building homes from from scratch so can you talk talk i'll get back to that but can you talk about like scaling from like one door to four to eight to ten because i think a lot of times folks see 70 mm-hmm. doors like that's just so many doors like how do i get there but how did you go from how did you get up to like 10 doors it's, it, it sounds cliche, man, but it's rinse, wash and repeat, really, you know, like it's establishing a routine. And, uh, you know, as a, as a fellow military guy, you know, you, you know, you didn't go to army, route, but we're going to give you a pass on that. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> with you. But, uh, you know, you create a standard. Right. And um, that standard for me was established early on as to how to acquire renovate and stabilize the properties of course i've learned better and better ways of doing it as i went along but i always tell people i'm still buying properties off of the first property that i bought back in 2013 because i'm still doing the same exact thing i'm buying it i'm stabilizing it i'm being disciplined with the money when it's coming and then i'm putting it right back out into the streets to acquire more assets okay you talk about that that um process of acquiring properties not like in your your bio this is like a creative financer or financier like you do like creative financing or how do you go about financing these properties? It's kind of the, the burn method of using your cash or how are you um, financing these, um, all these properties? Sure. Yeah. That's a great question. So I'm, I'm an advocate of, you know, if there, if there's money missing, that just means that there is another strategy that needs to enter. So I literally have bought properties every different way that you can probably think of. Um, or have helped people do it. So initially I did start out buying properties cash. Then I learned more about the wholesaling strategies where I was wholesaling deals. And then I would pretty much wholesale a certain amount of deals. So let's say, for example, I had five properties under contract in preparation to wholesale them. And for those who don't know what wholesaling is, it's simply just basically finding properties off market and selling it off to um, a a developer or another investor who's going to buy it and they're going to pay you a finder's fee essentially. I would basically do that to build up my cash, right? But I would have five properties under contract. I would try to quickly sell off three of them so I can take my profits from the wholesale deals and buy the other two or maybe sell four and keep one for myself. And I will find myself buying those properties outright cash. I did that several times early on in my investment career, which enabled me to be able to have a sizable portfolio that I own, essentially free and clear. Then I learned more about the Burr strategy, which then allowed me to leverage those free and clear properties to be able to pull equity out of them to then buy even more doors and continue to rinse, wash, and repeat the process through using hard money lenders, um, bringing in partners, both private partner, private equity partners, and also hard money lenders, and okay. then on the back end, stabilizing them with um, more traditional bank institutions. So thanks. So can you jump go into the wholesaling process a little bit more, um, a little more, please? I know it's one of those things that it seems like super easy on paper. It's like, hey, find a property for for cheap, sell to somebody for money. But I, um, you just jump to. You dive into that a little bit, a little bit more, because one of the things that looks like super easy on paper, but I know it's 
harder than than what it seems like to actually make money doing that? Yeah. So the home buying process, you said. Yeah. No. So, so the the wholesaling process. Oh, the wholesaling process. Yeah. yeah. So the wholesaling process is basically where you are looking for a distressed property. Uh -huh. So a distressed property can be categorized as a property that has overgrown grass or um, broken out windows. Like you see the mailbox is filled up with mail because no one has picked mail out of it for however long. That could be classified as like, that's a more of an obvious one. Okay. Um, you would find that particular property, um, whether it be through you actually physically seeing it with yourself. People call that method driving for dollars. Or sometimes you can even find those type of properties by buying a list of properties that specifically have all of those type of properties in a certain zip code or a certain city. Okay. Once you have those properties, you can go and skip trace them, meaning you would be able to find the ownership information and their phone number or email or whatever type of means of communication that you can reach out to them. You're finding them and helping them essentially solve a problem because okay. obviously there's a problem there that they have this property that they own that they're not taking care of, right? Okay. Now, when you find that person, you're negotiating the price for you to purchase the property. Typically, it's going to be below what the value of the as-is property is. So let's say, for example, I find this property at 1234 Main Street. It's overgrown grass. Uh -huh. It's mail. The mail is all over the, all over the porch and stuff. It looks like they need to get rid of this house. I find Ms. Johnson's phone number. Hi, Ms. Johnson. My name is Tariq. I'm a real estate investor in the area. I'm interested in your property. I see, you probably don't, you don't have much interest in it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you interested in selling it? She might say, yeah, Tariq. Yeah, I am interested in selling it. Now, I know from my research, I can probably buy this property for about $50,000 to make it make sense. But as a wholesaler, what you're looking to do is get the property below market value so you can have essentially like a little spread in there for you to be able to make the money, make money on your side. So you may negotiate with the person and say, hey, listen, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to come back and see the property. You don't even have to clean it out. I'll buy, to, buy from you right now for $40,000. Okay. Ms. Johnson says, yeah, I'll buy. I'll sell it for $40,000. That house been sitting there for months anyway. I don't plan on ever going back to it. You sign a contract with that person, a, a, a real estate contract between yourself and Ms. Johnson for $40,000. Now, I may call another investor up that I know loves this area. Hey, listen, I got this property at 1234 Main Street in the area that you already like buying in. Only $50,000. It's right on par with the ARVs, the after repair values and okay. the as is values of everything in this area. Yeah, Tariq, I love the deal, let's get it done. Now what I'm gonna do is what's gonna call assignment of contract. I'm gonna assign my right to purchase that contract to that C investor for $50,000. And remember, Ms. Johnson agreed to sell it to me for 40. So that's mm -hmm. a difference of $10,000. When that transaction takes place, Ms. Johnson's gonna get her 40 as promised. The investor is going to get the house as promised, and I'm going to get the difference of that 40 and 50, which is $10,000, which is called a wholesale fee or okay. an assignment fee or contract fee, various different things. And that's essentially how a wholesale deal works. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Thank you. Um, you also talk about, you mentioned the, the Burr method. You kind of break down for the folks what the Burr method is as well. Yeah, yeah. So the Burr method, um, man, I can teach a whole darn class on a Burr method, but uh, the, Burr, the Burr method is buying. Um, you're going to be buying a property um, through various methods, off-market deals, realtors, 
uh, what have you. And then you're going to be renovating the property. Um, and then once you're renovating the property, you're going to stabilize it through a process that we're all familiar with, which is renting the property. Uh -huh. Once you rent the property, you're going to be then paying back typically if you use leverage on the front end to buy the property using hard money lender or private financing. You're going to be refinancing the property. Then you're going to be paying back that short-term financing. And then the last but not least, you're going to be repeating that process all over again. So first okay. strategy. Okay. Uh, okay. Thanks. I'm going to go through all your, your financing methods. And the last one I wanted to touch on was the uh, hard money. Can you explain a little bit just how hard money works? Yeah. So hard money lenders basically um, in, a, in a short and sweet explanation is hard money lenders finance deals that traditional banks won't. Typically, when you are getting financing through a bank, whether it be FHA or conventional, the basic requirements typically is for the property to be livable condition. Yeah. yeah. So hard money lenders, they'll finance a property with a hole in their ceiling. You know yeah, what okay. I mean? Like I'm talking about the main roof, you know, <laughs> might not even be a front door on it. Right. I bought some properties where the whole damn back half and the side of the house is gone. Okay. Um, those particular hard money lenders will finance those deals because they are willing to take on more riskier investments where you have to renovate the property. Hard money lenders are typically going to be higher in interest than a traditional bank will be. Okay. And low end from eight to as high as I've seen 15% interest. Okay. <laughs> you got, you're going to also typically with a hard money lender have an interest only loan, meaning that if they borrow, if you borrow one hundred thousand dollars and you're paying them a thousand dollars a month it's not chipping away at your principal <laughs> you're paying that straight up and then once you pay them back it's that full one hundred thousand dollars and uh typically it's going to be a short-term loan in between well, i've seen some hard money lenders go as low as three months uh, and i have have others that i've dealt with that go up as high as 24 months okay okay thank you thank you for the breakdown of those three yeah. items um so Kind of going through your um, building your portfolio, what are some lessons that you learned that you probably could have, you only would have learned from, you know, like, you know, failures or, um, you know, learning on the job. What's the things that you kind of learned from your, um, you know, growing your real estate portfolio? Yeah, I, I would say think big early, man. Okay. I think a lot of times, like when we're starting out on anything new, we oftentimes um, manage our expectations by uh, setting very low standards for ourselves. And um, oftentimes that, that is a reflection of our own insecurities and our own limitations that we're putting on ourselves. But the reality is obviously you're going to have some like some, some, something inside of you is going to tell you that it's going to, you should probably take it a little slow on something new that you're doing. Uh -huh. But the reality is you should be setting your expectations high because it's new and it's going to be hard either way. You may as well go big, man. The same example. stuff, the same stuff that I did on my first property, which was a duplex. I'm doing it right now on 16 and 20 unit buildings, on 16 and 20 unit rehabs that I'm doing where I'm doing, you know, four, four, four units on one block and two, 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 four, two duplexes on the same block and stuff like that. I'm dealing with the same stuff, the same BS with lenders, subcontractors, the city, you name it. So just go big, man. <laughs> go okay, big. Okay. Yeah, like I said, it makes sense. You're going to have issues either way, so you might as well, you know, um, start off with that, that big goal in mind. So, yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. Um, so, how do you go about, like, building a team? Because obviously you're not doing this yourself. You have, you know, I still have a team behind you. Like, who are the members of your team? How do you go about building um, a team? 
Um, so internally, I have um, both um, an executive assistant and um, a property liaison that kind of manages the day-to-day -day operations, like just like the behind the scenes, the office stuff, you know, when we're dealing with um, subcontracts, when we're dealing with city officials, permits and things like that, and our different lenders that we deal with and property management related tasks. And then I also own a construction company where I have a consistent, consistent full-time crew of about four, four guys that um, work for my construction company that run my day-to-day. -day. But, um, but yeah, then outside of that, it's just continuing to build and maintain great relationships with subcontractors that help help um, get these projects done. Okay. So you, you, you own a construction, like they have dump trucks, though? you like own a construction company? That's, that's yeah. kind of... Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 I got, I bought my first dump truck last year. Prior to that, I just was operating a construction company with a pickup truck. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so does that, do they work just for you? Are they out doing their own deals as well or? Yeah. My, my primary guys, they, they work for me exclusively. And then, but mo most of the guys that do work for me are subcontractors. So like sub, we subcontract out to different plumbing companies, okay. electrical companies, HVAC companies, roofers, um, what have you, you know, but my, my main guys, like, you know, framing crews, finish crews and stuff like that are my, it's my in-house crew who also help me maintain these 70 plus doors that we got as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. yeah they, probably got, they got a lot of stuff to, to do anyway. So, yeah, yeah, they got, yeah. yeah, they can probably live off those or yeah, work off those 70 doors. So how do you go about actually like how, what tips you give somebody for actually betting contractors? You know, I'm, I'm brand new. I've never rehabbed a property in my life. Like how do I, vet a contractor even to begin with right so the best way to vet a contract is not to go find them at home depot i don't okay. i heard that a dozen times so yeah, uh, go well. listen no knock on the people that's working out of home depot i've gotten plenty of contractors and workers and day laborers and stuff from there but if you're talking about building a business that's not where you want to start at um what you want to do is you want to pretty much find people who are actively working and you pull up on them man okay. um, you know, if you're looking for a framing crew go in go go head out on throughout during the day throughout the week if you're able to if your schedule allows you to be able to do that if not if you're working on a five monday through friday get your butt out there early on a saturday and get out there into the neighborhoods that you know are actively developing and go out there and get on the job sites where you see people actually framing. You find somebody who's going to be able to point you to the boss, or if they're not the if they're the boss, you get their contact information and let them know that you are interested in hiring them. Okay. You know, see, seeing is believing. I think that's the best way to do it. You know, you find someone on social media or something like that. It could be very or online or something like that. You can very easily be uh, manipulated into thinking that some work is theirs or they have done more of that work than they actually have done. Um, and then um, also once you after finding them, then after you've already seen with your own eyes what they can do, you can go ahead and get some additional references and um Last but not least, but and possibly most importantly, make sure you're able to get um, licensing and um, you know license and insurance from that person that before you hire them as well. Oh, okay, thanks. That, that make, makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. so as far as deals, how do you go about finding deals now versus before? Has it changed? Like, I, like you finding a deal at door uh -huh. seventy versus door five? Is that any difference? Um, no, it's not. It's not. Um, my education level is increasing more, which. Um, which it which affords me more opportunities, but to be quite honest with you, I'm seeing a lot of the same deals that I was seeing 
eight years ago. Okay. It just I know how to I know how to handle them now. Oh, um, okay. So just the pretty much the same you're doing before as you were. Yeah, you were. Um, wholesaling, um, using whole different wholesale strategies, wholesale methods, um, networking. Um, I'm constantly still on the MLS, Zillow, Trulia, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, you name it. I'm in any anywhere I've ever found a deal at. I'm still looking there. I'm one of them people that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I think, I think everybody always comes out with like this new strategy every year, how to find new deals. And I'm still finding deals the same way I've been finding them. So like, I'm not going to switch it up. I'll definitely add new methods to my, to, to my uh, strategies, but I'm not going to just drop one and then replace it with the with the, the new hot thing that everybody's doing. Yeah, if it, if it works, double down, triple down, and I guess I guess 70 down at, at, a, at a certain point. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what are some like um some capital expenditures expenditures like new investors should be looking out for? Because I think, you know, when folks are, mm. I think like when the average person is looking at a property, they're saying, hey, um, the mortgage is going to be a thousand, the rent's going to be 1500. I make $500 a month in profit, which yeah, obviously is not the case. Like what are some things that um, investors should be looking out for when they're actually trying to like um, actually calculate their their cash flow or property would generate. Yeah, you want to account for maintenance. You want to account for vacancy because the reality is the property that you buy and stabilize or that you buy as a rental property um, that was already renovated maybe, it's not going to always be rented. Um, you know, I know that social media has probably told you that you're going to be able to make X amount of dollars every month off it for the rest of your life. That's not always, that's not exactly true because some things happen such as pandemics where people don't pay their rent, right? Yeah. Things happen such as maintenance things, such as a hot water heater going or clogged toilet or something like that. And, um, you know, we just had a big storm on the East Coast shoveling. You want to account for things like that in your budget. If you're, if you don't want to be able to be that person managing that property, you got to account for property management fees. So you just want to make sure that you factor those things in. Um, another thing that I think uh, gets overlooked a lot of times, especially with multifamily investing, is um, common area maintenance um, okay. and trash management and um, like in utilities. You know, that 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 extra meter that you have for your hallways and exterior lights may seem like it's like minuscule, but that 30 to 30 bucks a month can add up. And especially if you do something um, like I, I, I have done in the past where you like put an outlet on the exterior in the hallway or something like that or a heater and then your tenants are abusing it and you out of nowhere get a hundred dollar bill electric bill you're like whoa, whoa, whoa what's going on like, going under the door back into their place okay. yeah 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 man all types of crazy stuff you know and um you know just managing the trash as well um you know it's, it's super important for you to maintain those uh common areas because okay. you know that's a representation of your portfolio and of your product and um you know, the better you represent, re represent that, represent that, the, I think the, the theory is that you, um, the less vacancies you'll have. Okay. And thank you. And you had a um, interesting video I saw on your page talking about scaling over time. Like I think a lot of times folks, you know, they look at a property, I'm going to make, I need to make this amount of money in the first year. But you talk about how, how scaling actually works over time. Yeah, sure. Um, I, for me, scaling is just a, is, it's a, is being consistently consistent, being consistent, man. You know, you got to keep rinse, wash, and repeating, man. You know, 
Like you don't get to 10 doors overnight. You don't get to 20 doors overnight. You know, you like, you can really simplify things by if you like, I just got off a call with my mentorship this, uh, this evening. And, um, you know, it's just like, if you, if you have that goal of getting 30 doors, okay, all right, 30 doors, that's 10 triplexes. You know, if you want 20 doors, that's 10 duplexes, you know, and you can break it down and make and simplify and, and, and narrow that goal even more to say, okay, well, if I want to get 30 doors and 30 doors equates to 10 triplexes, maybe you don't get 10 triplexes in a whole year, but maybe you get two this year, right? And if you get two this year, maybe you want to double down on that next year, right? And you go and get four. So you look up, you got six, you're only four away from your goal, mm -hmm. you know? So I think what we do is, and going back to what I said in the beginning, go big early, but also have an objective, a plan of action, how to do it. And okay. most importantly, uh, tapping in with people that been where you want to go. You know, that's the cheat code. I call it the, I call it the time machine, you know, gotcha. getting mentorship from people that's already been there is like, you can, it's, it's literally today's time machine. You know, you can go ahead and tap right into their experience and their knowledge of what they've been able to do, the good, bad, and the ugly, if they're develop, delivering it properly. And uh, that definitely curb your learning a lot. Okay, cool. Thank you. And thanks for the explanation. So I wasn't super clear with what I, what I was asking. That was a great explanation. But so like you had a video where you talked about um, like scaling a property over time. And like, let's say your rents are $1,000 and your mortgage is 800. They pay down the rent, then you refinance it again and the rents get lower. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And just, yeah. you know, how, and how that kind of helps with the cash flow and, oh, yeah. and all that. Oh, that's a good one. That's like one of my favorite ones, man. Yeah. I think a lot, like, so um, like investing in real estate is, you know, it from the outside looking in, it's it's is sexy, but it's not because okay. like when you first start in when you're investing in real estate, like if you're if let's say for example, you got a property that's renting out for a thousand bucks a month, your mortgage is you know, your mortgage and expenses is seven hundred dollars all in, right? That's property management, maintenance, including prop potential 10% vacancy, all of that, right? Getting that profit is three hundred dollars. $300 a month, not changing nobody's life. $3,600 a year is not definitely not either, right? Yeah. But what happens is when you take that $300 and you times it by 10 doors, you know, that's $3,000, right? A month that you're making, right? And that equates to $36,000 a year net profit. But then where the magic happens is when these properties are stabilized and what happens is they continue to appreciate while someone's paying your mortgage in there. They are decreasing the amount of mortgage that you have on there. And then you do a magical thing where you do that, that one of that favor R's and that birth strategy and you uh -huh. refinance the property again during certain ideal times where you can maybe refinance it down to a lower interest rate okay. or even the same interest rate, but with a less amount of a principal where you are decreasing your monthly payment. So when you now are taking that $700 a month and taking it down to $500 a month, you just added another $200 of net cash flow. Mm -hmm. If you're doing that $200 of net cash flow extra across 10 properties, man, you don't make you making more money in real estate without actually acquiring, renovating, and stabilizing more doors. And that's where you see what everybody talks about that generational wealth. You know, that's where you see that cash flow start to really make a dent and you start to look at look back and um, patch your ten, your, your, yourself from 10 years ago on the back, you know, from making those type of moves. <laughs>
Gotcha, gotcha. Thank, thank you for that breakdown. Um, yeah. and so a little bit ago, you talked about mentorship, getting off a call with your mentor. I know you have a mentorship program as well. Mm-hmm. You, I always think it's important that uh, like your mentor has a mentor in the first place because you know they're you're you're they're giving you the knowledge from somebody that's done a little bit better than them, and then they're giving you knowledge. You're getting that knowledge as well from them. But you talk about um, yeah. working with the mentor and also your mentorship program uh, as well. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I always, we we got a saying that if your mentor doesn't have a mentor, run. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, um, currently my, the mentorship that I receive are from other developers who are doing what I'm currently working on and embarking upon and doing more new construction. Um, they've been doing it for decades at this okay. point. And, um, you know, I continue to just gain more and more knowledge and be a student. Um, I think it's super important for us to never stop being a student, never stop growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a huge advocate at, of that. Um, I'm always education first. Um, it's just been innate and in my in, in my nature. Um, as far as my mentorship, I do take those lessons that I learned from my mentorship, my mentors, and also through my um, everyday experiences that I experience in my own business and okay. as I continue to grow and disseminate it to my mentees where we've taught now in 2021, we taught over uh, 100 people how to buy and acquire real estate. Um, you know, we have several people that have, uh, have acquired countless doors at this point. It's okay. been, been a great experience. Um, we, we've kicked off the, the, the new 2022 mentorship program um, just tonight. Okay. Um, we, we meet every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's called the MMI Blueprint Mentorship. Um, essentially, the MMI is my, my company. Um, which stands for McAllister McAllister Investments, which originally started out just both myself and my my firstborn, my son's name. But what it is is a it's a legacy plan that I started for my family that I've documented, so you or anyone else can be able to document and implement that plan and their strategy within their family to be able to establish generational wealth through real estate. Okay, and if folks can still, I know you know you just kick up, kicked off the program, but can folks still join um, your mentorship? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's always open enrollment. Um, we we meet every single Wednesday again, uh, seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also uh, that's the live component of the mentorship program, but we also have an online portal where you're able to tap into all of the replays of the lives if you aren't able to attend whatever different calls. Um, but it's always encouraged to to, to join live. Um, any information that they want to obtain with the MMI Blueprint Mentorship can be obtained um, at my Instagram, Rika State, on IG, and also online at mmiuniversity.com. That's mmiuniversity.com. So, uh, yeah, man, we always looking forward to, uh, to to welcome new family members into the fold, man. Got, got you. And I'll drop all that information down, whether you're watching on YouTube or the podcast. That'll be okay. in the description to the, the show. Um yeah, thank you. That, that, that was a, a wealth. Of oh, one more question I did want to want to ask you. Um, you talk about your next step is building from from the ground up. Um, yep. How yeah. how do you go about that process? From you're you're buying land, you're mm-hmm. you're doing blueprints and architecture. I don't even know. I don't even know a question to ask. But you're you've got land. <laughs> you're, you're building like blueprints. I don't know. I'm probably saying the wrong thing. But how do you go about building a home? No, I got you. I got you. Yeah, so um, so we're so we're starting new construction. New new construction development consists of uh, 
essentially buying raw land. And um, typically, if you're if you're going to be getting it zoned up, which is what we do, um, we're getting it zoned up for what's called highest and best use. Okay. Um, so a lot of the land that we buy are by right single family homes. Um, so the highest and best use, it, however, is not single families because the size of the lots. Some of these lots are really large. I know in Texas, y'all got like, you know, large lots, plots of land, but like them cities like, you know, where I am in Philadelphia, if you buy a lot that's like 4,000 square feet, it doesn't make sense to build a single family house on it. It would make more sense for us to do multifamily on it for you. Okay units or two four units things of that nature so what we do we buy these larger size lots and we get them zoned up for highest and best use um to be able to make it affordable for the neighborhoods that we're building new construction in okay and so like i said are you actually i don't know how to work are you actually like write up the blueprints or you have an architect or how does that like nah, who, who's designing these homes is that is that all you you hire you hire rather do those things I, you know of course we have some we have insight on um we have some input rather on things that we want in the house. Uh, but, you know, architect, we collaborate and share our vision as to what we would like the concepts to be. Um, and then they'll, you know, provide their expertise in regards to developing um, the structural design of it for it to be suffice to pass through, uh, you know, inspection process for um, the city planning and city city offices who approve the blueprints that we're going to be implementing and build. But I'm not actually doing it myself. Oh, okay, 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 gotcha, gotcha. I read, I read what they put together for us. <laughs> okay, and just give it, give it the thumbs up and the thumbs down. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I don't want the bedroom there. I want the, the door here. Uh, how about we do the window this way? Can we change the exterior? That kind of stuff. Yeah, but all the technical stuff and the joists being separated a certain way and this wall being fire rated and this setback here per the code and all that. No, architect handles that. <laughs> and the, the plan is to to sell those or turn those into keep those as rentals or what's the plan with those? Or is it just um, whatever works out best? Um, it's an assortment of things. We have we have quite a few quite a few projects that um, have different use, uh, both combination of um, sell for uh, uh, affordable workforce housing and also for um, affordable rental rental properties as well. Okay, um, so I said I said last question like two questions ago, but you mentioned affordable housing. Um, so when we talk about affordable housing. Is that are you setting these prices or is it like affordable housing is designated by the city where you're talking about like affordable housing? Um, that's a good question. Um, some of this stuff is like, you know, based on like different programs and things of that nature that are available to third party comp third party organizations that are that are typically in the city, such as like Section 8 and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when I when I refer to affordable, I am referring more toward um where the market currently is. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, for the for the for the uh, final time, or the actual time. Thanks. That was, that was a lot of information. I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah. Kind of everything you uh, you dropped there. That was super informative. Like I didn't even know you were in the the military. Like like me at some point either. So um, mm -hmm. my last question I ask folks maybe a little bit different for you because you have a huge real estate portfolio. But um, if I were to give you like a million dollars and say, hey, you had to, you have one week to spend it on real estate adjacent stuff whatever what, what what would you do with it had a million dollars um you spend it in one week for some reason one yeah in one week um what i would do is i would um 
I would look into other markets to buy more raw land and I would allocate a portion of it to hire an expert in the area to show me the lay of the land to be able to get it zoned up for highest and best use the quickest streamlined way. So if someone was down in Texas and they was able to buy two acres of land, I can get that two acres for 700,000. I got to pay them a couple hundred thousand to show me how to get it zoned up to make it worth 4 million. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> Okay, cool. Got you. Got you. Appreciate it. Um, once again, thanks for your time. Um, one more time where we can find you. I know we have a uh, Riga State yeah. on. What you, you can say it, not 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 me. Yep. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Rika State R E K Estate. Um, I'm always accessible on there. Hit me up. I'm always sharing content on there. Um, real estate related. Um, investing related, credit, business, everything. Um, everything in between. Um, again, um, I'm the owner and operator of the MMI Blueprint Mentorship as well. You can also find information on there and look forward to tapping in with y'all. Okay, cool. Um, well, that is it. Thanks for thanks to our guests. Um, I don't have an outro to this show, so that is it. Thank you. <laughs> <All right. laughs>